Now, the Buckeye Extra Podcast with Rob Aller, Bill Rabinowitz, and Joey Kaufman from the Columbus Dispatch. Hello, Buckeye fans. Welcome back to a, another edition of the Buckeye Extra Football Podcast. This is Joey Kaufman. I'm joined by my co-host, Bill Rabinowitz. Uh, the two-man show today, and it's been a couple weeks since you've heard from us. The last time we spoke was on the heels of, of C.J. Stroud's declaration for the NFL draft and the passing of all those uh, news and, and notes regarding guys who are going pro, guys who are staying. Now we are in full into the, the next phase of the offseason. It's February. Yesterday was National Sign Day, but a, but a quiet day for Ohio State. Didn't add anybody. What we did learn a little bit more was some play calling dynamics for next year. Brian Hartline promotion to offensive coordinator. Uh, Ohio State had a what was essentially a staff media day where they had all the assistant coaches available to talk to reporters. So Bill and I are going to talk a little bit about what we learned yesterday at the, at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. Yeah, I mean, the, the headline, if you want to call it that, is that, and this is really not news, but Ryan Day talked about it at length for the first time, which is, you know, how's it going to work with Brian Hartline as a first-time offensive coordinator? He's never called plays before. Uh, Kevin Wilson, who was the offensive coordinator before, is now the head coach at Tulsa. How's the dynamic going to work? Ryan Day has made no secret of the fact. He, he kind of leaked it to Kirk Herbstreet. Uh, that he wants to at least explore the possibility of giving up play calling duties. Well, that's kind of been his bread and butter. That's that's how he kind of made his name as a coach. But I think he has come to realize after four years of being the head coach that you really need to be more of a CEO in this job. And it's just hard to be in the nitty gritty of what do you call on third and six when you've got to run a whole program. And so he's you know, is Brian Hartline up to it? We're gonna we're gonna find out, and Ryan Day is gonna find out, and Brian Hartline's gonna find out. They're gonna what they said is they're going to try to simulate some game you know, scrimmage uh, situations in spring practice, probably more than usual, and allow Brian Hartline to, to test himself going against Jim Knowles' defense and and kind of go from there. Nothing's been decided, but if if it works out the way they would love it to, Brian Hartline will be as successful as a play caller that as he's been as a recruiter and developer of wide receivers and Ryan Day is comfortable handing off those duties. Although he will be very heavily involved no matter what happens. It seems like they're going to give it a real honest shot to make Brian Hardline the play caller. And maybe we get to the end of the summer and it's August, late August, and we're a week before Ohio State goes to play Indiana and Ryan Day says it's going to be a collaborative effort. He'll still be the primarily primary play caller and it doesn't work out but they're going to give it a trial run and they're going to give brian hardline a shot and this seems to be i think they're signaling this is the long-term intention maybe it doesn't happen even this year but maybe next year brian hardline's role in the offense continues to grow this is what they they want to try and i think it was interesting to just for ryan day to kind of lay out the the plan this offseason for that dynamic on the offensive side of the ball and also to hear him more at length about why he's considering giving up play calling, because I think that's probably the question still everybody wants to know. Sure, the demands of, of a head coach are are a lot, but I think it's always, I think, revealing to hear from from his mouth and and why maybe he's exploring it. And, and one of the biggest reasons he cited was his time management, specifically middle and, and late in the season. He felt in the offseason he was able to delegate fine, which, which does make sense because in – 
March and April and, and May, you're not really preparing to call plays for a specific game. But when you get in week in the week out and it's week eight, week nine, week 10, it, it becomes a grind. And you look at the defense, it's really dropped off late in the season the last couple of years, late November in that Michigan game and, and this year against Georgia in the playoffs. So I can see why he wants to maybe have a, a larger presence throughout the building late in the year. Yeah. I, you know, I, no matter what, he's going to be very, very involved. And there may be times he says, you know, critical situations. I'm calling these, I'm calling the series. I'm, I'm doing that. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, we don't really know what the dynamics of play calling really has been. We know it's a collaborative thing. We know Ryan Day has the final say, but how much was Kevin Wilson suggesting this and Justin Fry or Tony Alford or Brian Hartline saying, let's try this. This is working. You know, I they're on those headsets. You know, we don't know how that works exactly. Um, so I always I think it's always been a collaborative effort. But Ryan Day clearly has had the last word, and and that will continue no matter who calls the plays. There's certainly going to be times I would expect that Ryan Day was I want to do this, and Ryan Hartline will say yes, sir. And so uh, you know, but I think it's more that Day doesn't want to feel like he's got to do it all. That that for routine situations. Let's let Brian Hartline handle it. And, and honestly, Ohio State's schedule this year lends itself more to breaking in somebody than it did last year. Last year, of course, Ohio State opened with Notre Dame. You, you know that was not let's let's try this out. I mean, this you had to be kind of going on full, on all cylinders. Then this year, you opened with Indiana. You know, it's Indiana's back to being Indiana, and then you have uh, Youngstown State and Western Kentucky before you play Notre Dame at Notre Dame in late September. So you've got three games where you can kind of work the kinks out and see how it works. And if it's not working to the way, the way that Ryan day wants it to, then maybe he is the play caller for that Notre Dame game. I mean, we'll, we'll see, but, and I'm not sure we'll ever get the full answer. I mean, you know, I don't, I just don't know that they're ever going to divulge exactly what the formula is for calling plays, but it is clear that Ryan day wants to pull back from, full responsibilities of, of doing it. Yeah. I, I remember last year, Ryan day talking about the opening scripts to games and you hear a lot, you hear a lot about that in, in football where they, they go into a game and they've, they've picked out the nine plays they're going to call first. Uh, Ohio state doesn't do that exactly the way Ryan day explained it was they have basically a bag of plays. They'll start with a, a, a game with and, and whoever's calling plays or, They'll work together in tandem, and they'll they'll pick out of that that old bag of plays. Uh, but I think the the other part of that too is in the week leading up to the game, and when you're running your offensive game planning meetings, is is Ryan Day going to still be running that, or if Brian Hartline's the play caller, is, is Brian Hartline running running those meetings, and and maybe Ryan Day's taking a more a, a bigger role in the in the defensive meetings i think that is also the interesting part um of, of play calling when they talk about being the play caller in, in that dynamics is who's actually running the meetings and and how does ryan day divide his his time on tuesdays and wednesdays when you're you're putting together your your bag of plays for saturday yeah i mean there's so much still that's that's unknown and, and you know what ryan day said is we we'd like to kind of know um you know, get a real feel for it in the spring. Um, but there's a lot of stuff going on in the, in the spring. I mean, you know, let's, let's kind of move on to the, the two other big questions that we have going into the spring. 
obviously number one is who's going to be the quarterback and, and what day said that he would love in a perfect world to have a winner emerge from the Kyle McCord, Devin Brown battle. Uh, I think most of us think that Kyle McCord has a leg up on it. And I, I think he does, but um, I think he would love for, for either one of them to, to just be the guy and make it clear. Okay. This is the guy. Uh, the other thing coming out of the spring is they got to figure out what their offensive line is going to look like. Uh, you look at almost every other position group and you've got, I don't say an embarrassment of riches, but you've got certainly quality and quality depth. The offensive line, you, you, uh, your guess is as good as mine, right? I mean, we know the guards. And one piece of news, I guess, is that Ryan Day said that Matt Jones is going to stay at guard, for, at least for the time being. I kind of thought that he might slide to center, which was – I think that was actually his position coming out of high school. I think he might have been the top-ranked high school center in the country, right? Yeah, he um, was uh, – He was. I don't know if he was the number one pro- prospect at center in, in his class, but he was either one, two, three. He was, yeah. he was something along those lines where that was his position. That was where he was He was at his best. Yeah, but he's going to stay at presumably right guard, Donovan Jackson at left guard. And, and I asked Justin Fry yesterday, is one of the reasons that you guys have decided that so that you you have two guys who, you know, two veteran guys, and so the players next to them at least will have somebody to lean on. And he said, no, that we didn't think about that. That's actually not a not bad way of looking at it. And so, yeah, the, the left tackle, who I, I think we can guess right now, would be Josh Fryer. Um, the center, I think, is a mystery. I think right tackle is a mystery. I mean, I you know, I could throw out names. I mean, Dick Cutler's the 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 transfer from Louisiana Monroe. They're going to try at center. Um, not as decent necessarily, but you know, one of the guys in you know, Carson Hinsman's another another guy. Yeah, he mentioned right. He mentioned um him. I mean, there there are a bunch of candidates, but to sit there and say this guy's going to, you know, I think this guy's going to play left or, or center or right tackle. I think it's purely just a guessing game. To to back up, I guess as far as the quarterbacks go, I, I thought. To me, it was notable that that Ryan Day went as far to say that he was hopeful that a, there'd be a front runner at the end of spring because you look at the way he's handled past quarterback competitions. He's really looked to put that off until as late in August as he could. Uh, I think in 2021, even when they had that big competition with with McCord, with C.J. Stroud, Jack Miller, it was the way they they talked about it, it was almost just these are learning practices. It, the real competition wouldn't really begin in the summer, and there was no at all move to establish a, a front runner, at least publicly anyway. Then you had 19, and it was really a <coughs> – you knew Justin Fields <coughs> won it pretty handily, uh, and Matthew Baldwin transferred after uh, the spring game, but they kept at it, and, and that competition went into – to late August. So to me, I thought it was interesting and maybe it's uh, the dynamic of the portal that, that adds a wrinkle in the one-time transfer exception that didn't exist a few years ago that maybe he's looking to have more of a clear cut pecking order by the end of spring practice. What did you make of that? Well, I thought, you know, if anything in the portal age, you, you'd want to drag it, drag it out. Um, you know, you don't want, you know, let's say, let's say it's Kyle McCord for sake of argument. You don't want Devin Brown to, to leave spring practice, though he's not going to be the quarterback, and you know maybe he'd want to go somewhere where he could be. Now Devin Brown has said, "I'm not transferring. I'm going to stick this out, and I'm going to, I'm going to. That's not what I'm going to do." But if if 
it were clear that Ryan Day preferred McCord, then who knows? And it's certainly, I mean, if if Devin Brown wins the job, I can't imagine that Kyle McCord would stay. I mean, he's already going to, he's a junior. He's only got two years of eligibility left to spend, you know, presumably the rest of his career at Ohio State as a backup. I mean, it's just not, it's not realistic to think he would do that. So when he said that, what made me think was, well, the way it makes sense is if Kyle McCord is the quarterback, you know, if Devin Brown is, is a man of his word, and I'm not faulting him if he changed his mind, but, you know, he said he's not transferring. That would work better. That formula or scenario would work better if Kyle McCord is the quarterback. Then Kyle McCord is here this year. And, you know, if he has a great year, look, it happened with Dwayne Haskins. You know, C.J. Stroud was only left after his third year on campus. Kyle McCord could have a great year this year and enter the draft next year. And then Devin Brown says, okay, I'm the guy. Um, the other way around, then you're looking at <laughs> you're looking at Devin Brown and you know, not nobody else, you know, that's experienced. So I don't know that Ryan Day in the end is going to declare a starter at the end of spring. They may be more of an internal thing or maybe even not. But that did surprise me a little bit. On the other hand, of course, the head coach wants a, you know, the alpha to emerge as a quarterback. Of course he does. Um, so I was surprised how he was. He said it the way he said it. But, you know, I think everyone's going to have a pretty good idea at the end of spring, whether it's said publicly or not, who the front runner is for that job. To me, I guess I interpreted that, and, and we're just parsing press conference quotes, I guess, in a way, because it's still a month before we get to spring. But when you want a front runner go at the end of spring, that means you want, to me, you want Kyle McCord to have all but but won the job because I think what you don't want to ha- happen is for 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 Kyle and his family to be like, hey, what's the what's the deal here? Are we gonna have a chance to to start because you have a two week period in May where players can go to the portal? So that that idea of having a front runner at the end of spring kind of butts up against what if I was uh, Kyle McCord would want to know whether he is the chance to be the starter next yeah. year or he needs to go somewhere else to to play because his clock is. Is ticking because he he did not redshirt as a a freshman yeah. in twenty twenty one. He played in five games, so he only has two years of eligibility left. Uh, so I think that makes his situation more pressing, and I think would make him want to have some some clarity on what his role would be in the fall before that that transfer window, uh, the first two weeks of May. And, and that's why, you know that that kind of lends credence to the idea that he is the front runner because it, it like like we just talked about it just doesn't make sense it wouldn't make sense for Ryan Day to announce let's say that Devin Brown is is the front runner because we know what would happen with Kyle McCord um but unless, on the other hand, unless, these unless, guys are going to know these guys are going to know by the end of spring where they stand that they are evaluated every day whether Ryan Day says something publicly or not, unless it's truly like a tie, unless they truly are either really good or really bad or whatever the answer is, unless there's a, it, it, they just cannot make up their minds, we may not know, but they're going to have at least a strong idea of who the who the starting quarterback is going to be. Yeah, I mean, even, I'll tell even you what, it's going to be a great even, job because even if, the, figure, even if the favor was going to be Devin Brown, I would still think if I'm Kyle McCord, I would still want to know that. 
because that would be a. Of course, <laughs> but they will. I mean, whether it's announced or not, they will know. I mean, they're there every day. They they'll know how many reps they're getting and who they're getting the reps with, and and just their own performance. They they evaluate everything. Everything's going to be charted. It's going to be. It's just what it is. So it's not going to be a mystery to them. Although if it if it is said publicly, I do feel like if the writing's on the wall, uh, if it's said publicly, the writing's on the wall in Sharpie versus uh, pencil. That's that's yeah. to me, I guess the difference. Like well, that's, more, you know, like that's your a little more cemented. But I think it always is. I mean, let's say that that Tom accords the quarterback and he and he plays against Indiana and he's not very good. Well. You know, and he's not very good in the next game. And he's, you know, nothing is, it's, <laughs> coaches just say, it's not a Supreme Court appointment here. You know, it's not a lifetime appointment. It's like everything else, it's based on performance. And if you don't perform, we can make a change. But, but yes, you don't want to go into a season thinking that you're going to make a change. And, and there's no reason to think that whoever's the quarterback won't be successful. I mean, look, you've got, you know, assuming the offensive line, sorts itself out and that's a big assumption because that's that's really the question for the whole season in a lot of ways but assuming the offensive line is is uh not non-functional which is the famous i think it was the urban meyer term <laughs> he might have been referred to wide receivers but whatever so yeah, yeah uh, uh but you, know, you got the back of a loaded backfield travion henderson mayan williams and and others you've got marvin harrison Junior, Emeka Buka, Julian Fleming. Um, I mean, you got a loaded, loaded wide receiver room. Just Kate Stover's back at tight end. Tram too is playing running back now because I guess Tram, Dale, and Dallin Hayden, Evan Pryor is going to be. I mean, you got five legitimate running back possibilities. Uh, again, I think so much rests on that offensive line. It's just it's so much, but. Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess uh, we did learn a little bit yesterday because we, we we talked to all these position coaches, maybe where guys are are going to play next year. Chip Trainum is one of the guys who late last year moved from linebacker back to running back. Tony Alford yesterday said that he was going to stick it out at, at running back moving forward, which is the position that, that Chip wants to play. He, he said that late last year he wants to, yep. to stick it out on offense. But that's a, that's a, that's a deep depth chart now where you have, you have Travion Henderson – Mayan Williams, Chip Train of Evan Pryor. Although Chip's going to have a shot, I think, in spring to to really make a case that he needs to to get carries next year because you're going to have Travion and Evan Pryor both out. Evan Pryor had uh, a knee injury that caused him to miss all of last year. Travion had surgery in December for his uh, the broken bone in his foot, so he's going to be out of spring. So it's a it's a shot. It's a case where he's going to have a chance with with Mayan Williams to to get a lot of reps. Yeah, let's go through who else is not going to be uh, available this spring. Uh, Julian Fleming and Emeka Gbuka. We don't know the injuries there, but, uh, you know, we knew that by the end of last year, especially Emeka, was banged up. Um, you know, it's a testament to, to those guys that they were as productive as they were because they they clearly were not full strength. Uh, Tommy Eichenberg, you know, he had the, the supposedly the two broken hands that he played through, which, you know, cementing his, his legend, the legend of Tommy Eichenberg, I guess. Uh, he's out for the spring. Uh, who else? The Jacob James offensive lineman, and, and that's that hurts him because he, you know, he's a legitimate candidate for one of those starting jobs. Mitchell, Mitchell Melton, Mitchell Melton uh, again, two. he got hurt last. Was it spring or was it last summer? The spring game of last year. Okay, and they really like him, and they think he could be 
uh, an impact player is is maybe like the Jack, you know that right? He was getting second, by the end of by the end of spring, he was getting second team uh, yeah. reps at the Jack position, which I think right. they like to have that flexibility now. Maybe you want to have Jack Sawyer be a, in a more traditional Jack role or more traditional defensive end role instead of yeah. the Jack and have Mitchell Melton take more Jack reps. So I think they would like to have him back. Uh, certainly Jim Knowles, I think, was high on him. And Right. Who are the other players that are out this spring? Um, Fort Williams at, at safety right. spot, uh, Travion. But that's those are the eight guys that got mentioned. I think yeah. we had all eight. The dispatch.com, Joey wrote the story about that yesterday. So check that out. Um, and then, you know, let's talk a little bit about what we learned on defense, you know, about defense. I mean, the only real significant change in terms of the coaching staff is is the addition of James Laurinaitis, who's technically a grad assistant. But it, you you got the feel, at least I did, that he's really going to be the the hands on linebackers coach. That Jim Knowles is going to, I don't say hand it over to him, but it, I think there's he's going to be more than just the traditional GA. I mean, he's good. You know, first of all, he's done it. He did it at Notre Dame last year. Secondly, James Laurinaitis. I mean, he's the last three-time Ohio uh, All-American Ohio State's had. Um, he had a successful pro career. I mean, you know, I think about him almost more on the recruiting angle, on the recruiting side, and and what a what uh, how effective he could be. I mean, he really could be like a Brian Hartline. I mean, that's that's what they're thinking is that maybe this is the same kind of path. Long term, yeah, I think so. Long term, I mean, not yeah, certainly not right away. But James Laurinaitis comes here; he, he learns the ropes. He, you know, it is fortunate he does have a a veteran unit to work with. He's got Eichenberg and Steel Chambers. You got Cody Simon back. Uh, you got some young players. I mean, C.J. Hicks is a guy that's going to probably force his way onto the field this year. As he was the crown jewel of last year's recruiting class, so uh, it's a good setup for 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 James Laurinaitis to, to kind of you know, cut his teeth at Ohio State because uh, that should be a, a good unit. And his role as a graduate assistant to a GA is somebody who can actually coach in practice. I just do I do want to clarify that a little bit. If you are, quote-unquote, a, a member of the support staff, like somebody who's a program assistant, a, you see their title as a senior analyst, those guys are largely involved in meetings and, and scripting Practice, helping to script practices and right. presentations and defensive install. But if you were trying to have a, a, a assistant to a position coach, it's it's a GA who can be more hands-on at practice and, and help guys with technique. And, and I think they probably need that at all levels of, of, the, of the defense too. Jim Knowles talked about wanting to, in year two guys yesterday, just being better in, in their technique and, and stuff. They spent a lot of time last year installing in learning the new defense, I think they can be better, I guess, in his view, as far as just some technique stuff. And Jim Knowles is the defensive coordinator and, and coaches the linebackers. So I think having a somebody like James Laurinaitis certainly can help him out with, with that group. It's not like there are a ton of linebackers. There, there are eight scholarship linebackers by our count, but but still that's an important layer of the defense. And to have a, a guy to help Knowles out there is important. They are, they are not – they have four – coaches uh on, on the defensive side and they have five on offense so certainly things skewed more toward the offense so getting some help on on defense i think matters as far as assistance go 
Yeah, no, and, and speaking of additions, the, the, Larry Johnson tweeted this yesterday. He's there's a new defensive line assistant, uh, assistant assistant. Uh, Alan Clark has been hired. He's worked with NFL guys and apparently has a good reputation. And so that's you know we we don't really know him at all. He was not there yesterday, but but that's you know they're trying to uh, you know those, those kind of guys come and go, and that's they. You have the position coaches, but you do have GAs or, you know, however they term it and as help. And uh, anyway, this Alan Clark is, is going to, has been added to the defensive staff. So um, he looks like a GA. Yeah. I think he is listed as a GA. Let me look up his Twitter okay. thing right now, actually. But um, yeah, he's worked with assistant DL coach is what it says. He's an NFL pass rush specialist. So, you know, he's, Sure that that can help. I mean, look, Ohio State. You know, what was the, who had who had the most sacks last year? Joey was four point five or something like that. Three and a half. I call four and a half. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you'd like to think that like JT Tuomolo would would be a double digit sack guy this year, right? I mean, he's got the talent. Uh, Jack Sawyer, you know, ought to make a he jump. Had four and a half. Too. Yeah, I mean, but they. I mean, it seems like a lot of the production statistically for JT was that Penn State game. I was the game for the ages, but you know, consistency and and he was he was a very good player all year. Don't get me wrong, he was he was very good. But in terms of just lighting up a stat sheet, the Penn State game was far and away his best game. Um, yeah, I do this the sacks thing, I and mean, we've talked about this the last few years. They they just have not had that high end sack production because you look at like the year Larry Johnson first gets. To Ohio State, uh, 2014, Joey, Joey Bosa leads the team with, with 13 and a half sacks. Next year, Ty, Taekwon Lewis, eight. Eight the next year as well. Nick Bosa at eight and a half in and, and 17. Nine and a half for Chase Young in 18. 16 and a half in, in 19. In the last couple of years, it's been three and a half, five and a half, and four and a half. Right. I mean, 2020, it was the, the short season, but you have had not had that between eight and 15 sack production. And, and, the the Chase Young 2019 year is hard to replicate, but you would I think maybe hope for somebody to have eight and and that maybe closer to that ballpark. And they've had four and a half, five. Yeah. And I think now they they do spread it around. I mean, it's they've got they I don't want to make it sound like the defensive line didn't play well last year. It played very well, generally speaking. Um, but yeah, you're always thinking with Ohio State, who's that stud defensive tackle or defensive end uh, who's just going to be the guy that offensive coordinators have to game plan around. Uh, I think it's JT. I mean, I think he's the leading candidate to be that, but th- this year, but you know, I know nobody's expecting him to do again, do what he did against Penn state every week. I mean, that's nobody does that, but to be kind of the guy that, that two or three times a game just makes a play that makes you go, wow. Um, and he's capable. I mean, he's, he's that good. And I, and I think it's, it's reasonable to expect a significant jump in Jack Sawyer's production. I mean, he's been a good player, but if you look at his snap counts, he's not been a guy that's been an every-down player, and I think that they want him to become that. Um, because he'll he'll get they'll get pushed. I mean, Caden Curry looked really good as a freshman last year, and and I would expect him to make a a, a significant jump and be a, a key rotation player this year. I mean, I, I was really impressed with Caden Curry last year. I think the level of the defense. That's probably, I think, to me, is interesting to watch in spring ball as, as anyone. And we'll certainly talk about this more as it gets closer. But it was still, nonetheless, uh, 
notable to hear from from Jim Knowles yesterday was just how the secondary is going to look because right. the safety, the three safety spots. I mean, safety driven defense. That's what he's called it. He wants those guys to to be able to move around quite a bit. And you lose Tanner McAllister, the the nickel corner. You lose Ronnie Hickman, the adjuster or the free safety, the guy who's in center field and helps set a lot of stuff up pre snap. Those two guys are gone. Lathan Ransom is returning. Uh, Josh Proctor is coming back for his added a transfer safety from Syracuse in Jihad Carter. And the way things look right now, uh, Carter from Syracuse is somebody who has experience as a in the slot and could be plugged in there. But but Noel said he also has experience playing free safety, so he could play, he expects him to play multiple spots in spring. Lathan Ransom could play the the free safety as well. So could Proctor. It seems like they're going to move around guys quite a bit, and, and Knowles thinks they're a little more interchangeable than before, or they at least could be. Um, so even though they lose, I think, some some name guys, they do have a lot of numbers and guys who could fill in roles in, this, in, the, in, the, in the secondary. I think Carter uh, was one of the bigger additions they made through the portal uh, in January. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously they got to get better cornerback play this year. I mean, that's – they were hurt badly by injuries last year. I think it's pretty safe to say that the injuries that the injury that um, Denzel Burke had in the summer really affected his play last year. I mean, he he was really good as a freshman, and we all expected him to be the lockdown corner that Ohio State's kind of prided itself on having, and it, it didn't really happen. And uh, you know, Cam Brown was also hurt. I mean, he's obviously off to the NFL now. You know, Jordan Hancock. You know, basically tore his hamstring. I mean, that was like a serious, serious hamstring injury and came back late in the year, but I'm not sure was ever fully, you know, healthy. I mean, I don't know. I, mean, I didn't remember asking him that specifically, but um, so yeah, that's, they, they've got to, they got to improve the play in the secondary because at key moments last year, it broke down. I mean, it just did. And they 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 addressed corner in the portal as well. I thought they uh, earlier this week made a pretty big pickup in, in Davison Igbinosen, uh transfer corner from Ole Miss. He's somebody who can who can play. He was a freshman All American last year at Ole Miss, and one of the big reasons why he's, I guess, went in the portal in the first place was Ole Miss had a coordinator change and prompted him to go in. But that, I thought that was a pretty big pickup because one. They just don't have a lot of numbers at cornerback. Right. They, they, they're only returning six scholarship corners. Second straight year, they've been down to that number, and it hurt them last year because they had a couple guys go down earlier in the year. They had three healthy scholarship cornerbacks to open Big Ten play against Wisconsin. So adding adding him uh, gives you seven corners, and he's somebody who started in the SEC and, and probably could push, uh, and I expect he will compete with Jordan Hancock for that other corner spot opposite uh, Denzel. And they have rotated corners in the past. That's you know that's that's one of the things that Ohio State has done. They really do like to use depth at that position, and it makes sense. I mean, you know, cornerback has to cover a deep route and runs forty yards. You don't want them to have to play the next down. Um, so yeah, it's, it is important to have the, the depth because they didn't have it last year. Fortunately for Ohio State last year, the, the quarterbacking in the Big Ten sucked so bad, <laughs> no one could really exploit it. Right? I mean, they didn't really play a, a decent quarterback until Maryland. And, and, you know, Talia kind of lit him up, as did J.J. McCarthy, you know. And so um, I, I would expect the quarterback play in the Big Ten would be better this year than last. Can't be much worse. And so you better have some – you're speechless, aren't you? 
Uh, my uh, internet connection seemed to be going a little haywire. Okay. <laughs> I thought, okay. Yeah. Or, or Zoom it. says it, Zoom says it's unstable, so uh, <laughs> that doesn't sound promising. But yeah, yeah, the quarterback play will be a little better, I think, this year than what Ohio State will at least face. Notre Dame uh, upgraded to that spot with uh, Wake Forest transfer Sam Hartman. Yeah. But still, I don't think the Big Ten is going to confuse anybody as as being the, the league where they grow quarterbacks. No, but you know, they get the. It's gonna be better. Penn State will be better, and yeah, well, you think Drew Drew Aller uh, is gonna be? I think an upgrade over Rashawn Clifford, although it still could be growing pains with with him, but still should be better. Yeah. Um, was there anything else, Joey, that came out of yesterday that kind of struck you? No, I think just getting a sense of where some of the coaches maybe see players. Uh, where were where guys at safety could line up? Uh, nobody seemed to, to pigeonhole in a, in a particular spot. I think getting the sense of that, getting the sense of where Matt Jones was going to play on the offensive line. Uh, I think those are some of the bigger questions. I know in name quarterback is the, the big question. Who's going to be the starting quarterback? Because whoever does get that spot, it's one of the most high-profile positions in, in college football. It's a, it's a glamour role, and whoever is going to be the starting quarterback at Ohio State is going to be a front-runner for the highest trophy but you look at the, the spots on this team that could settle whether they compete and win a national championship it's it's quarterback or not quarterback but it's, it's the offensive line and it's safety because they need to be able to protect the quarterback and they have a lot of moving parts there and they can't get beat deep as much as they did yeah i, I think the offensive line is a bigger question i think if you look at the players who were the candidates to play safety i mean they they should be pretty on paper again on paper that should be pretty good, and they've got some depth there too. So, uh, the offensive line to me is is the question, uh, other than obviously quarterback. Um, but I, because you know, it was funny. I mean, Justin, I'm going to write about this today. Um, Justin Fry, the offensive line coach, did not seem he seemed almost more excited about how we're going to plug these holes than nervous about how we're going to plug these holes, which is good. I mean, that's what you want the offensive line coach, you don't want to bite in his nail saying, Oh my God, we're, we're stuck here. Um, it, you know, I, how much of that is, is kind of just the, the front you, the, the, the image you want to present to the world and how much is real. I, you know, I only Justin Fry knows, but he, he was like, cool. This is, you know, we get to find who these guys are going to be, you know, awesome. And, you know, whereas I'm, <laughs> if I'm him, I'm thinking, Oh my God, who's my left tackle? Who's my right tackle? Who's my center? I mean, those are the, you know, not that guards aren't important, but when you think about the foundational pieces of the line, it's it's the center and the tackles. You know, the, they're, the tackles are more on an island. The center's got to be the guy that's, that calls the blocking schemes and has to be completely in sync with the quarterback and has to be the brains of the outfit, basically. And so we don't know, we don't have any, no idea. We have some idea, but we don't have a clear sense of of those positions at all yeah it's uh, justin fry could be a guy who also knows it's uh first week in february um <laughs> they're, yeah. they're not playing a game next week too so i think maybe that's part of the he did he did seem at ease for a for a group that has as many maybe question marks he's yeah, also I, he's I, also I, seen them practice so i mean yeah i mean i asked him yesterday you know i obviously don't have a game tomorrow but if you had a game tomorrow do you have any idea who you believe it no yeah. i mean you know he doesn't other than the guards he doesn't. He does have bodies. I mean, there there are a lot of offensive. Yeah, but you know what? There's not a Paris Johnson waiting in the wings right. 
that you knew, you know, from the moment Paris Johnson signed, he's going to be a star whenever he gets on the field. Maybe he won't start as a freshman, and he didn't. Very few do. But he's, you know, sophomore year, okay, you plug him in a guard. He's going to be good because he's Paris Johnson. He's a five-star guy. What was he? Maybe um, top 10 overall recruit in the country. There's nobody on that offensive line uh, in that offensive line room that you go, well, that's a no-brainer. He's going to be great. Even Donovan Jackson, you know, you knew was going to be good when he got his spot. I don't know that there's anybody that you go, well, that's an all-Big Ten caliber player that we know about. I mean, could a Josh Fryer emerge as that? Sure. But that's, to me, it's not just that you don't know who they're going to be. It's you don't know if they're going to be good enough. Yeah, and maybe just uh, to put a bow on all this, but I I think it, along with all those position questions is I think what we learned yesterday is just on the macros of, of Ohio State football moving forward is the the play calling dynamic on offense because so much I think of the Ryan Day era has been viewed and gone so much for where the strength of this program is a big part of the strength anyway is Ryan Day's play calling ability. Um, on offense and willing to, to guide that side of the ball. You wanted Jim Knowles to come as to be quote unquote be the quote unquote head coach of the of the defense. And there was more, I think, more of a dividing line between duties now and and he's at least I think looking more toward the CEO role and whether he goes for that this year in, in 2023 or somewhere down the line, that seems to be where he's telegraphing he wants to to go and I think the big storyline of the offseason will be whether Brian Hardline is is up to the challenge to, to be the play caller and maybe expedite that then move and that allows Day to to kind of see things from maybe more of the, the ten thousand foot view rather than getting in the weeds more or whether that's gonna be something that's it's gonna take him maybe a, another year before Hardline's ready. Uh we'll see. Yeah. I mean, you know, again spring practice starts I think March seventh. So we got more than more than a month before the start of spring practice, and um, you know, a quiet month in a way. You know, I mean, it was funny. And yesterday was technically signing day, although they we knew they weren't going to sign anybody. I mean, signing day really is the is the December one now. I mean, there were a few players around the country that hadn't announced and hadn't signed yesterday, but we knew that wasn't going to be the case for Ohio State. So, you know, the next big next big push, as you said, will be May when the transfer portal opens again, and you know, if the offensive line remains a question mark, then they, they could dip into that. I don't think the portal will be as strong. I mean, generally the second wave isn't probably as, not as, as good as the first, but, but you know, they're, they're, they'll be scouting those guys. You know, it's funny, you know, Mark Pantoni, when he, when he was hired as the recruiting guy, it was basically a one or one man operation. This is a decade ago. And now you have like a, I don't know, 10, 10 people at least. And you essentially have to have a, a a whole other branch of it for the portal, you know. And so you you you're recruiting on two different levels: the, the current, you know, the, the high school guys, and then the the transfer guys. And so, if there's somebody out there in in May, then and Ohio State's not satisfied with what they've seen in the spring, I fully expect them to be active there. But which I think we need to do to injury because that was the case where yeah. Trey Sermon came in, in 2020 where Master T hurt his Achilles. Uh, first week of, of spring ball that necessitated that pickup. But you're right. I, I would. I think they would look to address most of their needs at this time. Yeah. 
So, well, I hope we've kind of filled you in on what we learned yesterday. I mean, I haven't even gone through all of the audio uh, from all the coaches. I had tape recorded there, but I haven't had a chance to listen to all of it. So there may be some some more stuff un, unearthed that uh, we can talk about another time. But, you know, that's I think we covered it pretty well from what we were able to hear yesterday. Yeah. Thanks for joining us and, and listening. And we'll certainly have more stuff as we get closer to spring football practice. March 7th is the date. So it's not too far around the corner, just a little bit over a month. Thanks for stopping by and listening. Be sure and subscribe to the Buckeye Extra podcast in the iTunes Store, the Google Play Store, or on Stitcher.